So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this May 28, 2013 edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields, and off to my left, way yonder, is Jean Victoria Norlock and Shauna Lovely. How are you, ladies? We're good. Very good. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> How are you? Good. Fantastic. See now I've got the how to say the date part down. Now I got to figure out how to say the two different people part. But we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> One thing at a time, step by step. Maybe step. Maybe step. So Thursday we did a show, as I said a minute ago, with you guys hours apart via Skype, and now there you are, right there together in the Fortress of Solitude, the mountain home. Side by side. Yes. Yes, we are literally like shoulder to shoulder, touching shoulder. So, which actually tonight is a good thing because it's a little freaking chilly out. Yeah, <laughs> we need the extra body heat. <laughs> We're sharing a set of headphones tonight. Unlike keeps us nice and close. Costa Rica, where you know, Jean and I had to sit next to each other to be heard, but we're trying not to have the body heat be shared because it's warm and <laughs> wow and sticky. It's smelly. Well, and <laughs> the one place that you could hook up hardwired to the internet was the spot that was hit by the setting sun, which happened right when we did shows, all of them. So it was the best time and the hottest spot on the whole property, I think. <laughs> it was a gift. Yes, well. Because Nick has to complain about the cold weather here all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'll still, I'll yeah, never but... forget the first time she went. I'm sweating. I, this is cool. I'm sweating. And I was just like, okay. <clears throat> yeah, he, well, because he was bitching, whining, and chewing about being too hot. Right. Too hot. I'm too hot. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's been, the, that's been the opening banter to the show for, I don't know, two years now, right? Too, why break tradition? Too hot here and too cold there, and it's all me. <laughs> In fact, we should... Probably just skip part of the patient's test and introduce our guests because it's comfortable where they are, I think. But um, did you ladies have uh, stuff to share? Well, we, or? No, what you, about you? Had, me? We had an interesting day. We did. Um, we, well, and we I hear had you had, had fun first... filming, too. We did. Um, yeah, that was Sunday. Yeah, mm-hmm. but t- tell us about the day. You, you had a random encounter day. 
sort of thing. We did have a random encounter day today. Um, we took the car into town to get it fixed and had to kill time. So we did killed time the best way we knew how. We slaughtered time. We slaughtered time. It was a bloody massacre of time. <laughs> <laughs> we we went around the town that I've never really explored, the two of us, and just randomly walked into shops and talked to people. And we found some really freaking cool people. And cool places. Yeah. Yeah, with cool people in them. Awesome. And we, uh, I've, I've been on a mission to find like an all-natural, organic, one-stop place. Because we have some grocery stores around. But you have to go to various different ones to get the different kinds of organics. And we found this this little gem of a shop. Teeny, tiny little thing. Has everything I eat in it. And I I think I may have overwhelmed them a little bit with my excitement. <laughs> I said I've been here two days. <laughs> and this is the best thing I've found. And we ended up chatting with the store owner. And what? how long did we stay there for? Half an hour oh, at least? No, more than. More? Yeah. More than, totally. Yeah. Just talking about her vision and why she does what she does. Every All her cleaning products, um, grains, flowers, it all is sold in bulk. Uh, body products. She has... Free-range meat. Free-range meat. I found free-range meat, man. Ooh. I was so happy. Yeah. <laughs> I've lived here Eggs. for a year and I couldn't find it. Uh, Hand turned almond butter, so we got we got into a real thing about why she does what she does, and I'm not going to tell you too much about it because we're going to have her on the show. We're totally going to have her on the show. Yeah, yeah. she was just oozing passion, and uh, she did she did this one action, and it kind of like I got chills and brought a little tears in my eyes where she said that she just wants to have this heart connection with people, and she she made a gesture with her hands like opening that that heart center between two people going back and forth, and I'm like, yes, that's. That's it. That's exactly what we're here for. So, so we'll probably end up doing a Stranger Connections where she shows us around her shop and then possibly on the road. Yeah, we're really connection. thinking she'd be an awesome easy on the road guest because um, it's not just her that, that exudes this massive passion for what she does. It's her entire team. And they're more of a family than they are boss and employee. So, you know, we mentioned that we'd like to get the whole team on the air and let's talk about why you guys do this. So... She's uh we're gonna be in touch with her and get her on the air. And yeah, she's awesome. That was incredible. That was I don't know if that was the highlight or if the chocolate covered cherries were the highlight. The cho- I think the chocolate covered cherries with um with was the alcohol in them? Well in my alcohol. Yeah. Alcohol, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Chocolate covered cherries. Um chocolate covered cherries and um an amazing chocolatier who actually kept our chocolates and our bags at the shop for us until we had to until we could walk back, get the car and we were done all our shopping so that we didn't have to carry our stuff around. Um totally cool guy. Very, very sweet and generous. We found an art shop with paints that we were looking for exactly. Yeah, exactly. It has y'all everything gotta, we need in it. The camera with you everywhere you go. If you're together. Uh, yeah, we probably continue to have Oh and I quote and I quote Shit, I forgot to charge the camera. <laughs> so, yeah, next time. Yeah. I was concerned about that, that cuz we did talk yesterday, folks, briefly and yeah. I mentioned something about the camera and Jean immediately said, "Chandler, remind me to charge the camera." And or I was you, looking for and, and I told I couldn't hear Shauna. She was in the distance, but from Jean's response, I would assume it was something like, "Well, Jean, you have the camera." <laughs> but in, anyway, 
Um, yep. <laughs> it, it, I will say it's not, um, you know, probably possible to always have it alone, but, um, but I suspect oh, yes, there it will is. be. Yes, it is. Yes. No, that was just grade A procrastination and laziness on my part yesterday. Yeah. I gave my totally brain possible. to I don't know who, and Shauna went out looking for it. She found wine instead, and that's the story. And that's and the, the end of that, that one. the end of the story. Okay, well, <laughs> don't feel bad. And that I, happened. As I put the pro into procrastination, i got to tell you. So, um, <clears throat> I learned from you, Pop. There you go. There you go. See? So that was our day. It was, was a pretty day. magical day. It was yeah. sunny. It was gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, yeah. Magical. Couldn't have asked for anything better for the first full day of action in Quebec. Yeah. It was It was Most a beautiful welcome, welcome, yeah. welcome home gift for both of us because, you know, I mean, this is a big transition, not just for Shauna, but for the family and for everybody involved. So we needed that. We needed to be able to go out and have like complete validation that we were going to really, really enjoy <laughs> doing this together. Yeah. So that was that's what today was for me, anyways. For you. Yeah. 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 Ditto. Totally. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, we're home. That's we're good. good. Love blossoms over alcoholic. <laughs> slaughtered time instead of slaughtering each other. That's always best. <laughs> you know. <laughs> on the bright side. Uh, looking on the bright side. On the hardwood. So. Only yeah. wine. Only. <laughs> uh, back to the booze again. Um, always, but, and then on Sunday, and I'm going to let Shania tell you a little bit about that before we welcome our guests on. Um, Sunday was an absolutely. I don't even really have words for it, um, and and I think we're going to allow the video and the the eventual interview with this woman that's coming up to speak for itself, but. Um, and we talk about awesome humans all the time on this show, and she is she's one of the most perfect examples I've ever seen of of human beingness. She just wow. But this one's this one's in the camp. She's right? real. We're just waiting to be edited, right? Yeah, we haven't yeah. we haven't edited the film yet, but it was we drove all night in order to get the footage. We arrived yeah. Yeah. at the mountain home at three o'clock in the morning. Actually, uh, it was four-ish. There you go. Yeah, 4 a.m. is that we got home after, so that we could do that interview. Yeah. So Shelly Marshall, that's who we were speaking with, and that's EY. She got me on that one. Shelly Marshall, two L's. Uh, she performs a one-woman show about her life. It's called Hold Mommy Cigarettes, an unfiltered uh, perspective, she says. And it really is that. It is freaking raw. She has uh, struggled with generations of mental illness, and she is putting an end, not trying to, she is putting an end to the stigma behind mental uh, instabilities, and it's, it, it reaches everybody, because you may not have it, but you know someone who has issues with uh, with their human experience, and Shelley just does does just what Nikki says. She's the human being. She she lets it loose and brings you to tears and then brings you right up to laughter because her goal, her mission is to make people laugh and make people happy and to say that, you know what, you may have had some really crappy stuff happen in your life, but we all do. Get and, over it. Yeah, and, and <laughs> we live with it every day. And she doesn't she doesn't try and portray that she's cured and that she's better. She says that this happens every day. I go through something and I still do what I love. And it's it's all her heart. It's 
every time she performs, just her her beauty shining through. It, it was one of the most um, magical experiences I've ever had doing this job. And I she got me. Like, I, w- I broke down and bawled like a baby. And ultimately, even when talking about it now, I'm still like on the verge of tears. Um, ultimately, it has nothing to do with she takes you on this journey and, and there's all this, this gut-wrenching, holy shit, how did so much happen to one person kind of journey. But at the end, it's, it's, it's what she's made of it at the end that got me. It was just it, it's pure truth, pure raw beauty. And strength and, yeah. and and inspiration like you would not believe. She's absolutely an amazing, amazing human being. And so and to plug her, she has one more week left at the Alumni Theater in Toronto. So any, uh, no, I'm not even going to say Torontonians, anyone who's in the greater Toronto area. Get your get in a car butt and drive. over there, seriously. Um, it's her second run there. And uh, it's been sold out. Now Magazine has had the most amazing ratings for her. No one's been able to say anything terrible. It's just, it's it's the most beautiful thing. She has pay what you can shows. She, she doesn't do this for the money. She does this for the love. And uh, if you can make it out to go see her, do that. Uh, Google her, Shelley Marshall, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y-M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L. Yeah. Awesome. And if there's one thing that we've learned with our executive producers, every time we think we've just there's no way we could top that, we we do. So what a great way to start off y'all's adventures because there's only up from here. I know. If that's the start, oh my goodness, I'm going to be a wreck. Well, that's, why, that's why you had to get Shauna to be in front of the camera because you can cry behind the camera as long as you can do it quietly. Not if you're the camera brother because that thing shakes like a mother when you're balling <laughs> um we actually we, we went up um our original plan we took madison with us madison worked the still on the tripod and um we got some extra shots but my daughter sat through the show and and it it got her too so i mean and i think shelly was a little bit shocked that i brought a young person but at the same time she was really appreciative of the fact that i brought a young woman to this show because it is raw and it is blunt and it is truth. And it's not age um, discriminatory. You can be eight years old and have mental, mental illnesses now, ADD, ADHD, OCD, yada, yada, yada. How many names? Yeah, how many letters? Well. <laughs> and uh, it reaches all, it's everybody. Yeah. These these little ones don't need near as much protection as one might think. No. No. Um, and in, in fact, they're finding out what I've always kind of thought made sense, you know, is protecting kids from the dirt and the germs and you're making them not as, as healthy. They, they, we posted on the everyday connections wall just uh, today or yesterday that research has shown that spit cleaned pacifiers make for healthier babies than sterilized pacifiers. Kid drops pacifier in the dirt. Mom just like licks it off and spits and hands it back. That's going to be a healthier baby with a better immune system than yeah. one that was uh-huh. treated with sterilized everything. Uh, and, and to me, that just always made sense. When we were kids, we played in the dirt. We dug in our noses, eyes, and ears with dirty hands. We caught beasts and bugs and and 
you know, yeah, we had sniffles and stuff sometimes when we were kids, but I don't much get sick as an adult. And uh, you watch all those kids that were kept clean and sterile. And um, I love you. That, that was interesting. <laughs> Do you want to know what just happened, Rick? Well, well did you get a text message or was 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 it a phone call? No. Oh. Shit alert. Oh. Shit alert. Everybody, put on your helmets. Bullshit is being plugged. <laughs> we may have to rethink this Rick, whole put Shauna on the control on panel thing. We want to know, and we will, we promise our guests we're going to get you on. If we have to go over a little late tonight, that's fine. We can. Um, we want to know, Rick, why are you moonlighting as a voiceover guy for bullshit buttons in dollar stores? Well, you know, guys got to make ends meet somehow. That was easy. Oh. It was that easy. It all started with the easy button. It's been downhill ever since. <clears throat> <laughs> or uphill. Yeah, well. money, you be a millionaire. And that's the goal in life. <laughs> All right, moving on. See, Welcome. see, Hawkeye. I told you it wouldn't be the last time. Um, so I had to do, had to do it. it before, we were a little, uh, we were a little short on the pre-show, pre-game, you know, thing with our guests. So I, I really didn't get to tell them that this was going to be the first night where we get the, the Shauna Jean update before, instead of the Rick Jean banter. And, <laughs> So it might run a little bit longer, but, you know, hey. <laughs> we need one of those. Uh, Let's talk. Instead of the rimshot drums, we need one of those that's like crickets, you know, silent, oh. sound of silence or something almost like crickets. Yeah, we can get that recording. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah totally. we'll, we'll, we'll I, actually ha- I actually have an entire library of sound effects. I just haven't ever uploaded them because it seems cheesy, but sometimes. Oh, so. because you're selling them. On the dollar store market, that's why. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Copyright consideration and stuff. I have a contract, you know. You're so busted. <laughs> All right, bad boy. Yeah. And now, <laughs> guest, guest alert. Guest <laughs> alert. <laughs> I can hear some snickering in the background, so I guess we do have guests. We do. We do. For my. Uh, we're we're going to have a great time. They're probably the only disappointment they have about not being introduced so far is that they didn't get to, you know, join in on the hilarity. So, uh, but they'll be more fun to follow. Uh, joining us again tonight, Robert Miller, uh, EC family from from way back. Glad to have him with us again. And he's brought along a uh, friend and associate, Ms. Carrie Burns. Robert, Carrie, how are y'all? Okay, I was waiting for the clever segue. <laughs> I, I had about ten of them, and they all blew right past. You can't something beat about you know germs and infection or something. And here's our guest. <laughs> and I'm a germaphobe. So I appreciate that. <laughs> we'll keep you separate. <laughs> Considering the, so, uh, the subject tonight is energetic healing. Well, yes, it is a subject tonight, and um, we already know who you are, Robert, so we'll ask Carrie. Who on earth are you, and what do you do, Carrie? 
Well, um, I'm a psychic and an energy healer, and I've been working with my gifts for 20 years this year. That's basically what I spend all my time doing when I'm not working a practical real-world job. And a poet. You're a poet. Yes. Yes. I'm also published a little published poet. poet, thanks to Robert. <laughs> second book is coming out mm-hmm. soon. What's Definitely. it called? Um, it's, what is this? Um, One Day You'll Be a Story. It's the mm-hmm. name of a poem I wrote about my cousin who passed away from cancer several months ago. So. Yeah, you'll love her poetry. It's very raw and real and just really incredible stuff. Thank you. <laughs> and hopefully she brought some with her tonight. She can spin one off sometime sure. at some point. So. Yeah. Always got that lying around. Got <laughs> <laughs> a girl. Take it from you. Well, I love writing. Writing is the other thing that I love doing all day. <laughs> then what is your real world? Because how do you balance all that love? How do I balance all that love? Well, um, I think balance is kind of a myth, but <laughs> I'm telemarketing Ooh. right now. I work for a company doing that. And actually, I enjoy it because I get to talk to people all day and uh, kind of brighten their day and help them if they need it. So that's kind of an extension of my being able to assist humanity, I guess you'd say. Yeah. There you go. That's how you do it, right? Seeing, uh, Giving yourself the things that you need in the way that you want it. Yeah, yeah. I really wish more so-called light workers yeah. would, would take their light working into the real, yeah. quote, unquote, world. <laughs> Start seeing yes. that as a benefit to the world instead of saying, oh, I've got this other job and it's not me. And, well, you can bring you to the job. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Well, I learned that the hard way. You know, you went through a bunch of real-world jobs and you're like, I'm not satisfied and I'm not living out my potential. And and then you try to live out your potential and then you realize that, um, you know, you can minister anywhere that you are and, you know, the other stuff has to be about really the work and assisting humanity and helping everyone that you come across rather than just the dollar signs. And unfortunately, you know, we have to make money to eat and, you know, pay rent and et cetera. So, you know, it's nice to be able to go out in the real world and know that you can bring yourself out. And yes, it's true that a lot of light workers are just like, I just want to open a center and this, but they, they, they're like, no, I've never do that. They wouldn't you know, do a lot of jobs that are out there that will actually pay the bills. I don't know. I, I'll flip burgers if I can, like, affect people and touch hearts and souls while I'm flipping burgers. I'll flip burgers. Yep. I mean, I did it for years as a waitress, so why not? Yep. Coffee shops. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's the human experience, right? The everyday stuff. That's right. Everyday connections. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks for that plug, Robert. Appreciate we appreciate it. it. <laughs> well, you can tell I, I worked in uh, radio. <laughs> yeah, segways. Oh, God help us. <laughs> Robert, have you been doing bullshit button voiceovers too? just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> Are uh, we going to find you in a dollar store? No, most of what I did in radio was change tapes and push buttons and respond to the uh, the little light that lights up that says, um, 
Now, this test has uh, been brought to you by uh, the sponsor at so-and-so. Push this button, you know, in, in my headset. So, no, I didn't do – I wasn't like a DJ. I just kind of like worked at the radio station, you know. Did you Ran the it? soundboard and that kind of stuff. I, I used to work for uh, the radio station that did the sound for the March of Dimes show, you know, every year. And so I would sit there and and run the the audio board. So it was interesting. But radio work uh, actually, unless you were you know a DJ that's out there, all the other people are have pretty boring jobs. <laughs> were you bored, or did you enjoy your time? Uh, kind of bored most of the time, but it, was, it had its moments. Um, we used to have to go out uh, and check the antenna tower was behind the building. We had to walk on this catwalk because it was in the marshes. And then you have to take a reading. You know, uh, It's part of the FCC regulations. Uh, even during thunderstorms, when there's lightning crashing and hitting the <sighs> tower, you still had to go out there and take that reading out in the pouring rain. And uh, that was always interesting. I was like, isn't there like some tech... Technology or something, you know, that you can read this from the inside. No, you got to go out on the catwalk and read it at the tower. Oh, great, that's fun. Cool. That's Let me why go we have you here. This lightning rod and see how right. it goes. I was like, what do you think we hired you for? <laughs> oh, that's your job. Yeah. Manpower. That's right. Amen. Wow. Wow. And I guess we could we could use lightning as energy. To segue in to energy. There field. we go. <laughs> nice. Speaking of lightning, that's yeah. a whole lot of energy. That, that's that right. Was, that was, wow. Well, well can you, you tell us about energy, Robert? Yes. Well, yeah. you know, um, if I if I may say uh, how I I kind of got into this subject, um, I think it was primarily because I was on my my quest. To find the uh, a way to unify a, a view of the universe that was both scientific and spiritual, uh, which I started like when I was five years old, and I wrote about that in in my book. But um, at the same time, I was you know having all these encounters and, and and job situations and so forth where I was getting to talk to people, which I, I was talking to you to Shauna earlier saying that how much I'm interested in seeing her film work because it reflects a lot of my experience in life of interacting with people looking for, you know, the answer to what does it what does it really mean to be human? You know, and then that was always a question in my mind. And I ended up working with one foot in each world. I, I worked in hospitals and nursing homes and emergency rooms and trauma centers for a while as a uh, medical equipment technician. And so I was working with people who were on death's bed, you know, I'm literally. I was the guy who was going to clean the bed when they died. That that was part of my job. And so I'd be get a page that says, oh, go pick up Mr. So-and-so's bed. And I knew what that meant, you know, and I would go there, and sometimes he was still there. And they they go, oh, well, just wait a minute. And it's like, oh, man. <laughs> you oh, know, like, man. It was, yeah, it was... How is that for you? Like in that moment, what what do you do? Well, you know, and the family's there, you know, and everything often. Sometimes nobody was there. But, hey, isn't death 
as much part of the human experience as birth or life. I mean, it's part of the cycle, you know, and you get, I got to see that up close and personal many, many times. And uh, it can be a profound experience, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I I could tell you some stories. <laughs> um, one particular one, actually, that comes to mind is has a happier ending because I was in um, UMDMJ, which is the uh, United Medical and Dental College of New Jersey. And they had a... a trauma room for the people who are uh, in long-term comas. And there was a woman in there who had been there for months in a, in a deep coma, you know, no brain activity or anything, and they're basically just keeping her alive for the sake of keeping her alive. And there was a, a nurse in the room, and she was kind of like singing to herself, and I was working on a nearby bed for someone who didn't need it anymore. And all of a sudden, I just sensed something this woman wasn't was there again like her spirit wasn't there one minute and then it was there and i said to the nurse somebody doesn't like your singing and she went you why don't you like my singing i said no not me her and she looked at this comatose woman and looked at me like what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) i said no really and she went over and she lifted up her eyelid and the woman looked at her and that nurse just about jumped right out of her skin, you know, she was like, ah, hit the panic button, the doctors come running in, you know, and they're pulling the tracheotomy and, you know, the tubes and all, because the woman's like struggling to breathe now, and she's like wide awake and like choking and wondering, what what am I doing here? What's going on? You know, and I'm like, wow, this woman was, I mean, gone. Her spirit was not in her body, and all of a sudden she was there, and she was awake and conscious. You know, and I, I had to go off to my next thing, and the nurse stopped me at the door and said, how did you know? How did you know? And I just kind of like smiled and was like, mm, I don't know. I just, you know, I just did. So, I mean, all kinds of real interesting things happen like that. You know, you... So after working in hospitals and nursing homes and working with doctors and nurses and, you know, and seeing, I mean, I was not supposed to be touching patients, but you end up doing whatever needs to be done. And it's fortunate. Like they needed to move a patient off a bed onto another bed so I could clean the first bed. And so they, you lift them up by the sheet and they have all kinds of tubes and tricks and everything attached to them. And you have to be very careful to move them from one thing to the other temporary gurney or whatever. And so they would say, we need another hand, come over here and help us. And it's like, well, I'm not supposed to be doing that. And that's okay. We're, we're nurses and doctors and everything, you know, you can come help. And, Often, I would be like grabbing things before they hit the floor or ripped out of the person going, yo, you know, like, whoa, mm. if I didn't catch that, you know, this person would be, ah, don't worry about it, you know. And I was like, oh, man, I hope I'm ah. never on the other side of this situation, which I ended up being a couple of times. And, um, you know, doing all that kind of work, then later on, I found myself working in the holistic health field. I, again, in, in sort of my 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 field has always been like electronics and and technology, and I was working for massage schools and and Reiki practitioners and and you name it, the whole holistic health field um, in Princeton, New Jersey. 
helping them set up their practices, you know, computerize their practices. And, and my partner was helping them set up their business end. And so, I mean, we were working very closely with people and, and with the massage school. And often I, I would volunteer my body as a guinea pig for their final exam. You know, okay, give this guy a massage and he's going to report, you know. Um, but I got to talk to all these people and like Ram Das would come in there mm. often. And I, I would sit there and just have a talk, conversation with him. You know, like, hey, how's it going? You know, um, people, I don't even remember the names. Um, well, one of the hospitals I worked at was Muhlenberg, which was where Deepak Chopra got his start. He was a doctor there. And we never actually crossed paths, you know, but it's like I would see his name and you know, it's like, oh, what a strange name, Deepak, you know. <laughs> you think that someday, you know, he's going to be famous. And um, there's the Feldenkrais, Feldenkrais method, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I, I can never get that name quite right. The the person who came up with that, I met. I went up to New York and met them because they wanted me to look at a computer program for them. And I talked to this woman about you know how it got to, uh, developed and uh, uh, met Barbara Brennan and you know I mean really was kind of. In, you know, involved in the holistic health community, talking to practitioners, and of course they were telling me stories about, you know, how they got involved in it and about what things, miracles, and and their experiences. And later on, you know, when I was writing my book and saying, well, you know, combine, you know, the two, the scientific view of the universe and the spiritual view of the universe, this is a, a parallel. That you know, we have a physical body, but we also have a, a spiritual body, and disease or malfunction, you know, in in one system can affect the other one, and vice versa. And that's you know, this whole concept of holism, of holistic health, means you know that we have to keep our body, our physical body, in balance. We also have to keep our etheric or, or spiritual body in balance. You know, it, it's mind, body, spirit. And when they're all in balance, we're healthy. And when one of them is out of balance, they can affect the other. And so, you know, doctors would be giving drugs to 100 people, and 95 of them would respond to their drugs, and five would not. And they would scratch their heads and go, why aren't these people responding? The other 95 did. And I was thinking, well, that's because they, even though they have the same symptoms, it's not from the same cause. It's not a pathogen. They have a spiritual problem that is manifesting as a physical problem. But you can also have a physical problem that manifests as a spiritual problem. It's like we're we're one unit. We're integrated. You can't separate the two. You can't treat one without treating the other. And, you know, to me, the whole thing about energetic healing is, is sort of like a bridge between the two worlds. Because spiritual healing, pure spiritual healing, you know, the, the shamans and the, you know, that kind of thing that, that just their dance or whatever, and they don't even touch the person or whatever. It's a spiritual thing. You're, you're calling upon the spirits to help this person or, or calling a, a, an evil spirit out of a person. Um, you know, that that's purely spiritual healing. And as opposed to giving somebody drugs or surgery, which is purely physical healing, but energetic healing is using, you know, the fields that are part of us. You know, our aura... 
our chi, our prana. There's so many names for it. I, I, it's all the same stuff. It just all has different names. You know, the, the chakras and... Um, so many different representations of right. it over the years. but And, and really, when, when you get into it, as I have, you know, sort of through the back door, because I here I'm an electronics guy, and I'm learning, working with medical equipment, that, hey, you know, the body has capacitors, it has capacitance, it has resistance, it has all the components of a computer. You know, all this inductors and resistors and all that stuff is, is in your body. And we generate electrical fields, you know, in our nervous system. And we have an electromagnetic field. It can be measured, you know, by actual scientific measurements. You know, we, go, we have a radiation field, heat and light that actually emanates from our body. And it can be seen and can be measured. And that's like, okay, well, you, if you guys know all this, you know, that we're, we're a bioenergetic being proven by scientific method, then why don't you get it, you know, that energetic healing is a valuable thing. You know, spend, it's like... Spend it's, all day looking at this. Why don't you... Are you seeing what you're looking at? You know, then I think the first thing I ran into was uh, an acupuncturist, um, Paul... Uh, I can't remember his last name. He was Australian, and um, he also knew Chinese medicine. And I went to him for some issue I was having, and you know, and he's giving me the the needles, and and he attaches uh, wires to them and gives me a little electric shock through the acupuncture needles, and it you can it pulses. You can see your muscles twitch as you're getting these electrical pulses. And he's like, I'm moving the chi, you know, with electricity, and I'm like, wow, that's so cool. You know, I mean, I, I understood acupuncture, but, you know, the electrical pulses, that was that was like, wow. I mean, you're, you're actually putting electricity into my nervous system, and it's having an effect. And uh, he actually triggered off uh, a psychic event with me because uh, I asked him to, to do a procedure that uh, I knew about, and he said, how do you know about this? Because most people don't know about this. You're not supposed to even know about this. And I said, well... You know, I'm into a lot of things. I'm researching a lot of things, you know, so could you try this? I want to see what the effect is. And he was like, uh, okay, I wouldn't do this for anybody else, but for you, I'll do it. And so he put needles in places that normally don't get needles. And uh, all of a sudden, I saw his his future. Not my future, but his future. And I said, you're going to be going to Australia soon. You're going to go back to Australia. And he was like, how did you know that? Because I just found out like an hour ago, and I haven't told anybody yet, not even my wife. And I go, it's because your father's dying. And he was like, holy shit. How, you couldn't possibly have known that because, I mean, nobody but me knows outside of Australia, and I know you haven't been there. And I go, yeah, but you're worried that you're going to not make it there before he dies. You want to see him before he dies. Well, I can tell you, you're going to make it. You'll make it just in time to say goodbye to him. So definitely make your plans and go. And he's like, you you just really blew my mind. He says, I don't know if I really believed half the stuff you were telling me, but now I believe it. And then he said something like, um, you know, oh, oh, he wanted me to do his astrology because I've been an astrologer for 40 years. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, I'll do that. And Oh, one more thing. I said, your father is part of a soul group, and they're all kind of like getting on the bus at the same time. So you'll know 
you know, because the king of Jordan is on the same bus. So when he dies, your father dies. They're together. They're getting on the same bus. And sure enough, it was in the news a couple of days later that the king of Jordan died at the exact same moment that this guy's father died in Australia. And, How do you feel giving these messages to people? Well, you know, I mean, it comes to you. That's that's really intense, right? Oh, yeah. You know, and but I had him do this procedure that opened up my chakras all wide open. You know, so I was open to anything that happened. And he was standing there, so I kind of like channeled through him. Um, but this is part of, you know, what well, I'm learning so about. fresh and strong on his on his. Mind and right. you know, he to think at the time. thinking about it. I mean, this has happened to me. Yeah. I also worked in banking and security, and I used to work in bank vaults and open safety deposit boxes where people died, you know, and you had to open it up in front of a bank employee and that kind of thing. And I was working in a bank vault in Cape May Courthouse, New Jersey. I remember the woman's name was Debbie. She was a branch manager, and it's just the two of us in the bank vault because somebody has to be in there with me. You know, because, hey, I'm a locksmith. I could open up anything, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it was deathly quiet in there. I mean, you could hear a pin drop on the other side of the room. It was so quiet. And I'm working on this lock, you know, and it's routine for me. And all of a sudden, I heard her thoughts. As I heard her voice, and I looked up, and her lips weren't moving. And she was thinking, oh, am I ever, ever going to have children? And I'm like looking at her like, is she talking out loud or mumbling to herself or something? It's like, no. And I said, why are you thinking about having children? And she was like so shocked. What? I know I wasn't speaking out loud. I was only thinking, well, what are you listening to my thoughts for? I mean, she totally believed it because, hey, you know. And I said, well, she said, don't tell me. Come back after the lobby closes and, and talk to me because this is too freaky. So I came back at after three o'clock and she let me in and I'm setting it at her desk and my mouth opened and I said words and I didn't even know what I was saying. I mean, the universe spoke through me and it's like, Oh, what am I doing? What am I saying? What's going on? And then she had to tell me what I said. And she said to your husband had relocated to Chicago. He had a job there and he wanted her to come with him. But she said, well, I just got promoted to branch manager. I'm not going to just pack up and go you're on this job that may or may not work out. So he left and said, well, you'll change your mind and you'll come. And I said, no, his job is not going to work out. and He's going to come crawling back to you. And a year from now, you're going to have this beautiful baby girl. I have the birth announcement. I, I kept it out of the <laughs> newspaper. It happened exactly as I said, but I did not say it. You know, it's like, no, I, I know my mouth was moving and I know words were coming out of it. And this is what, she told me I said, but I did not say it. So incidents like this were telling me there is definitely some kind of energetic spiritual world and that we are intimately connected to it. It's not separate from our world. It is a part of a part of our existence. And so health must be also tied to this spiritual energetic world as well. It, it you know, it's part of, of the whole system. It's holistic so I started looking into, you know, this what I call the bridge. Reiki is a good example. You know, you're using energy of the universe channeling through you, you know, to help people. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, Carrie will tell you, she is not healing people. The healing is coming through her. Your you channel know, I mean, for the energy. Yeah, exactly. 
I mean, I learned this from Barbara Brennan, Hands of Light, or her book Hands of Light. You know, I mean, this is what, and this is no new discovery. I mean, it's been known for thousands of years. I mean, you can look back, uh, you know, Chinese medicine and, and India, and over 5,000 years they've been practicing something like, you know, like this. Um, therapeutic touch, uh, Reiki, uh, Mesmer back in the 1800s was promoting magnets for healing people, and people responded, you know, to magnetism. Um, electrotherapy was actually invented in 1855 by a, a guy, I can't really pronounce his name, but Duchenne <laughs> or something like that. Um, and then more recent, uh, Frank Jones in the 1920s, he kind of was like as the father of radionics. He had um, a little device called an oscilloclast, that he, I mean, thousands of these things were manufactured or being used for energetically healing people. They were producing energetic electromagnetic fields, and people were responding to them and and healing all kinds of things. Um, and then, kind of like the guy I'm, I'm researching now, a guy named Royal Rife. His name was R R R Raymond Royal Rife. Back in the 1920s, he he probably saw an oscilloclast because they were around at the time. Uh, and there was uh, and Nikola Tesla also uh, when he was working with all these high voltage stuff his Tesla coils he noticed that he would have a cold and then it would go away as soon as he got close to one of these coils it would like burn it right out of his system and um, I don't know if you know that um, uh, Mark Twain was a really good friend of Nikola Tesla and used to hang out at his place all the time and he noticed this also you know and so he asked Tesla to make a kind of like a portable healing device using his Tesla coil. And he made some tubes and he hooked them up to a Tesla coil and he called it the violet ray because it was a violet colored discharge in the tube. And they would, you know, place it on the body where the pain was or whatever and it would make people feel better. And uh, just as an aside, that actually became a, uh, a BDSM device called, <laughs> called the violet ray. I don't know where they put that. You can just take that. This is, but they, that's as bad as acupuncture with needles that they don't normally put needles. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, were you gonna put? Were you gonna do with that? <laughs> but uh, so uh, Rife, he experimented with specially tuned radio transmitters. He he built a microscope actually see live viruses and bacteria and then he would expose them to different frequencies and he found that if you pick the right frequency resonance the the pathogens would actually die or explode sometimes if if you hit just the right frequency so the concept of resonance which i wrote about in my book is one of the key po uh, components of the entire universe you hit that right resonance and you can destroy pathogens, viruses, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, well, of course, that's what healers really are doing. Uh -huh. Unconsciously, they're tuning in to to the person and sending that particular frequency of energy that is going to help them. You know, and um, in fact, uh, I got a book uh, by Barry Lines called uh, The Cancer Cure That Worked, which was all about Rife's machines back in the 1930s 
he was taking them to doctors, and doctors using them to cure people from all kinds of things. Uh, then uh, the AMA was formed, and you know the drug companies got money involved in in drugs, and they didn't want, of course, any other things competing with them. So they, you know, took care of that and made sure that didn't uh, come to anything. Um, and I also, of course, during my time working with the allopathic, which is the conventional medical community, I had a lot of conversations with doctors and one doctor who at one time was a researcher for one of the drug companies said, I will not repeat this. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll deny it if you ever say it. But he said, really? He says, I know research doctors who've come up with cures for polio and, all, and, and diabetes and they were told to dump it, to dump it down the drain because they were told by the CEOs of the drug companies we don't want cures. We want treatments. You don't make money off of yes. cures. You make money off of treatments. Mm. We want to have a drug that people have to take for the rest of their lives and pay good money for it. Not a one-shot deal and thank you very much. We don't need you anymore. It's not in our best interest. Now, and this here is we one are. Right. I mean, this is one doctor just telling me this and, uh, you know, it's just hearsay. Uh, but I believe it. You know, it's like rang true for me. I was like, well, of course. I mean, it makes sense to me. They don't really want to cure anything. They just want to treat it. That's true. So ain't no percentage in cures. Yeah. So, I mean, here we have a system that's based on money, you know, profit, and then we wonder why our health care system is for shit. It's like, well, (laughs) because it's not aimed at health. I mean, that's the bottom line. Right. I mean, we just had a thing go on in, in, in the United States that you may have heard about, um, which was called health care reform. <laughs> well, we wanted health care reform, but what we got was health like insurance this. reform. <laughs> oh, we're not going to actually fix the system, but we're going to fix it so you can pay for it better. What? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to make it against the law for you to not buy health insurance. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's all benefit to the insurance companies who, hello, wrote the bill. <laughs> Surprise. How long was that health care bill again? <laughs> yeah. You know, what did you say? So, you have to pass it so you can see what's in it? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And it's like 4,000 or 10,000 pages long. You know, who's going to read the whole thing? So I said, well, you know, the future of medicine is where we, we truly embrace holistic health and say, you know, we got to treat the whole being. And our beingness is more than just physical. I mean, there, there are people out there who have major drug issues. You know, drugs is a big problem all over the world. And you know, say, oh well, first we try the war on drugs. Well, that obviously is throwing people in jail doesn't solve the problem. It just gets them out of your face for a while, you know. But does it really solve the problem? No, particularly for the people who are now in jail. Uh, and I keep telling them, why don't we? Go to the actual root of the problem. Why are people taking drugs? They're taking drugs because they're in pain. They're in some kind of emotional, spiritual pain. That's why they're taking them in the first place. Mm-hmm. So if we could cure Amen. that, they wouldn't. there would be no demand. And without demand, the whole thing would dry up. And they look at me There's and go, the revolution. what? <laughs> uh, that's unheard of. Like, well, you're talking about voodoo. You're talking about spiritual healing. 
yeah, well, yeah. You know, if that's the if the spirit is where the problem is, then shouldn't we go to it? And I mean, I work with drug counselors, you know, and some of them are kind of asking the same question now, scratching their heads, going, "Oh, you know, uh, maybe he's right." You know, but hey, we can't upset the apple cart. This is our bread and butter. You know, this is where we make our money. We can't put ourselves out of business. It's self-defeating. It's like, hmm, sounds like uh, doctors and drug companies and, you know, our whole drug-oriented system. Can't get rid of the drugs because the whole system would fall apart. And we don't have to worry about these little bitty independent healers because, right. you know, somebody will come see them, they'll make them all better, and then they won't come see them anymore. So they'll well, you know, go broke. The thing is they, <laughs> they, they do studies, and they say, well, we'll do a study and prove to you that this is quackery. You know, so they they do their studies and they go, okay, well, yes, we know 95 out of 100 people we give this drug to, it res- they respond to, and five don't. Well, that's that's an anomaly. And on the other side, we have 100 people that we do this quackery thing, and five of them respond. Right, okay, well then, can you explain why those five people respond, and wh- and why the other 95 don't? Well, no, it's just a fluke. Oh, well, wait a minute, or what? Or it's placebo effect. That famous placebo effect. Yeah, I say, like, okay, well, if the placebo effect cures people, then why don't, why don't we use it? <laughs> you know? Well, I think they're catching on to the fact that this, this works because one of the things when I was learning um, Reiki several years ago is they're pushing to get a license for Reiki practitioners that only you had to get a special license or it would only be doctors and nurses allowed to even administer it. Right. So something's going on. What do you what do you think about that, Carrie, with the licenses behind like energetic, non physical healing? Is do you think that's purposeful? Personally, I don't. I feel that having the licenses, having the certifications, etc., this is not ours. This energy does not belong to us. It is channeled through us. And I honestly think that all of that it just it doesn't matter. I mean it really is. It's spiritual healing. I mean, it's coming through us. And I mean, what Reiki means is like literally they're kind of talking almost about God energy, you know, to true source and that energy kind of life energy, the key kind of moving through you. And so you can't, I mean, I really, I really just don't agree with the licenses, the certifications, and then only allowing doctors or nurses to administer it. It shuts a lot of people out from healing. Like, I'm Roman Catholic, for example, and the Catholic Church frowns upon Reiki, and the bishops' council came out and released a whole statement a couple years ago banning it and everything, and I remember calling them up and telling them that I would make sure that everyone on this earth had access to Reiki, whether they liked it or not, especially if they were Catholic. That this It needs to be shared, and it, it does not need to only be performed by people with a license or people in the medical profession, because it's not medical. Technically, it is, but it isn't. It really is spiritual, but it has, a, you know, beneficial effects medically on people by reducing, you know, blood pressure, heart rate, reducing pain, anxiety, depression, etc. But yes, I definitely don't agree with well, that. I, I have a question, and I just want to know what you think of it uh, based on the response. I just finished a yoga teacher training uh, not too long ago, and getting involved in that spiritual healing community. I've experienced a lot of people not separating their own spiritual and emotional gunk, so to speak, from Mm -hmm. their healing sessions. Um, Mm -hmm. And so from one side, I can see how a license, uh, that type of association, 
would enforce more of a detailed training in Reiki because it's very easy to get that and just perform it without necessarily being aware of how sensitive of a process it is. Uh, so can you speak to that? Well, when I think about, you know, the, the detailed training of Reiki, for example, I mean, it was rediscovered, you know, by Dr. Isui a while back. And, I mean, this was something that was ancient, and it just kind of came to him when he was either meditating or having spiritual experiences. And so all of the other, I guess, bells and whistles, all of that was invented after, honestly, to make people take it more seriously. And I still feel that... um all of that being said, there is really, there isn't really a place in, in, I guess, the holistic field for Reiki sometimes. Like, I sort of feel like it's something that goes beyond. And my brain is frying right now because I'm so exhausted and I just realized I messed up what I was trying to say. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But for me, it just... I can't describe this. It's, it's very hard to separate sometimes, you know, the the spiritual aspects from being able to just do this as healing because the effects are so profound and they really do bring you closer, I guess, to that kind of energy, that, that, that oneness. So for me, it's always hard to answer these questions anyway because it has done so much for me in my life to kind of bring me to that place of oneness and, and deep spirituality. So I can never really separate it. And for most people, it's it's hard to, um, I guess, do it where, where they have add the spiritual components. They're more just focusing on as a healing modality. I would, suggest right. that, uh, I would suggest that it's not so much a matter of uh, licensing as who is doing the licensing and to, you know, to what specifications. I mean, you know, if the Reiki community licenses itself, that's one thing. You know, but if it's if it's the right. AMA right. licensing, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, we don't want Great them licensing. Yeah. That. You know, so it, I think it's more of, you know, if holistic practitioners, you know, policed their own, you know, and regulated their own, then I think that's great. Because, you know, I mean, hey, I've certainly known quite a few people who claimed to be healers, and I knew that they, they were just looking for money. You know, mm-hmm. I, I could tell you some stories about them. One I exposed to well, someone. kind of the old master apprentice system was kind of designed to. Exactly, that, exactly. It? And that's right. an ego-based system, too. Right. So, you know, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I'm on <laughs> Sometimes you get the, the yogi master who, you know. Yeah. Well, he has that feeling of power. <laughs> yeah, and then and then that's when you've got to have the rest of the community be able to say, "Hey, cut that out." Right. Uh, Which is what the doctors is, are supposed any to master that's not getting learning a lot from his apprentices is not being much of a master. But that's but true. that was kind of the you know was to the training was almost to make sure they were taking it serious. I think right. uh, you know. Yeah. The, the things, the hoops they had to jump through on backwards on fire, like now getting certifications. It's really just to see if you'll take it serious, I think. I mean, the, the Medical even, Association, you know, they formed their association to police their own. So why not do it for... associations, though, don't mm-hmm. they? Yes, they do. I but don't, we were yeah, talking about more of a... 
Right, you know, but uh, we're, we're talking about like an official regulatory agency that's recognized by the state, you know, but but it's not state-run. You know, right. if you get a license, I mean, if if a Reiki master gives you a license, is that right? No. No. It is in the Reiki community, but outside of it, no. So, I mean, the government can say, you're, you're not a non-licensed medical practitioner because we didn't give you a license. Mm-hmm. That's why I say, you know, it depends on who is issuing the licenses and who recognizes them. That That's kind of a key thing. Well, I, I guess it would be similar to trying to regulate and license, um, like, psychic practices uh, mm-hmm. because that's the thing that – can't be measured at all. Carrie, you consider yourself a psychic. How do you bring that into your healing modalities? Well, for one thing, the uh, energy healing strengthens the psychic abilities. And whenever I do energy healing on someone, the psychic really, the psychic aspect really does come into play. I've had many instances of medical intuition that has turned out to be completely on point because the Reiki has strengthened it. Like I'd be working on someone and I'd be able to tell that they had surgery in a certain area. Um, I was working on someone and I knew that they had brain damage from, um, it was like, I think it was a, a stroke before and they hadn't told me. Or I could tell that someone had, well, here's a, this is a sad um, little quick story, but uh, less than two years ago, I was staying with a very close friend of mine and um, she wanted me to do Reiki on her. And she's like, what do you sense? What do you sense? And while I was working on her, I got this very dark feeling, and I told her that she needed to go to the doctor because something was going on that was developing. And she didn't go for a very, very long time. And I spoke with her on the phone about a year and a half later, and she just said she had to go in for a procedure, and in my head I heard cancer. And just a couple of weeks, really, before she passed, um, I got an email telling me that uh, from a friend that she actually had stage four ovarian cancer she finally went to the doctor and no you know so knowing things like that sometimes it really strengthens your abilities and as for testing it they say it's untestable but I myself have developed tests that have proved to be very beneficial in terms of showing how psychic someone really can be um there there are tests can you just describe your your psychic abilities like because i find that it's so confusing for there's so many different kinds clairvoyant clairaudience uh what what is it how do you describe psychic for yourself Okay. okay uh well in several different ways um if i can how i started out as a teenager is um the first thing i developed was mental telepathy um that developed first, then precognitive dreaming or writing stories that were coming true, um, being able to astrally project, uh, projecting your uh, astral body when you're almost in a dream state or awake, um, being able to do that and make someone feel um, you touch them, um, being able to do tarot. And the way that I do that is I have my guides actually show me exactly what cards to pick. None of them are memorized. Um, I don't even know which ones they're going to be because they're flipped over, and my hand buzzes over them. Um, animal communication, it'll just be like a feeling or a thought or an image in my head that comes through me when I'm interacting with an animal. Um, also mediumistic, I've had many experiences where someone who was deceased 
came and gave me a message or reached out. Um, there's there's probably a couple of more things in there. Oh, psychometry. I'm able to uh, pick up objects or I could look at photographs and I would be able to just sort of hear like a list of things in my head that related to them in terms of perhaps their occupation or their um, habits, personality traits, other things. Cool. Would you consider that even intuition? Because a, a lot of people don't necessarily want to, you know, they have a skeptic skeptic mind that's psychic, that's right. too wishy-washy. But intuition, people are, you know, they they embrace that, the gut feeling. Would you consider them the same? I consider what I do a more developed version of that. Everyone has right. the feelings that they pay. And the more that you pay attention to your gut feelings, the more they will strengthen so it's just it's it's different it's intuition itself is is based on i guess experience as well as just kind of tapping into the you know the ethers but also experience but this is when you we really put your mind into making them stronger and uh developing your capabilities I think it's like right, any talent. Right. You know, I mean, I often equate it with playing the piano. You know, many of us can play chopsticks, but some of us can play Chopin. You know? <laughs> right. And I, right. I think we all have the abilities in us because we're all energetic creatures. You know, but a lot of us shut it off on purpose because we're afraid or we've been programmed to be afraid of it. You know, that's the work of the devil. Don't go there, you know, and so as children, they shut it down. Mm-hmm. But exactly. people who are allowed to to expand their consciousness and so forth do so. So environment plays well, it's very superstitious, you know. right? Exactly, mm-hmm. right. And Carrie, you know? you're saying that you've developed a method to test it now, so maybe it's it's less superstitious. It's now measurable. It, it can be measurable. Like I would, for example, sit down. Like whenever I wanted to try to break someone's block, who was they really were into the idea of, of psychic abilities, but they hadn't yet really done anything. I'd sit down. Uh, first, you'd ask them questions about whether or not they'd had gut feelings or precognitive moments or dreams, etc. And then I would sit and I would actually um, hold images in my mind or numbers or shapes. And I would make a list, you know, like 1 to 20 or something. We'd do it, say, 20 times in a row. You can't really do it more than that because you get overstimulated and your brain just says no. And and so they are able to pick up or um, what I'm holding in my mind. And if it's a certain number, we could tell, like, what percentage. So it would be, like, 5 out of 10. And then if, say, for example, a person um, – like, say I was holding a five in my mind, and the other person, and, oh, and I was about to do a three, but then I switched to a five. And if the other person got the three, they didn't get the five. That says something, that still says that they're intuitive because they were mm-hmm. able to get that quick flash, which means that <laughs> might be very subtle when they have them and could but could be developed. So I was able to kind of measure and test by doing those types of tests. You guys have an elephant up there? <laughs> I wondered. <laughs> it sounds like an elephant. The guardian beast. <laughs> All right. We, we've muted so that we'll, we'll let you guys talk for a minute until they settle down. Potential attack. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would suggest uh, the film Men Who Stare at Goats. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, that's about this and, and how the government looked at it. And I will tell you, I met one of those people in real life from that very government project who because i spoke to one of them like last year 
Uh, he's a photographer in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. His name is Joe, and he was one of the people. He's portrayed in that film, Men Who Stare mm-hmm. at Goats. And it's like, and I met him for real back in 1985. And he told me all the stuff that I saw. I mean, I was looking at that movie, and I'm going, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> you know? It's like, that's real. Right. It's like, this is stuff he told me back in 1985. More. There's more, actually, than than they put in the movie. I'm sure they couldn't put it all in oh, there. Yeah. But th- he told me that the government has devices that can test people. Uh-huh. They have huge coils that you walk through, and they can test your psychic level because they were testing people were certain projects. Uh, one of them, which is well known, I'm not giving any state secrets, was that they wanted to train mental assassins to kill the guys in the bunkers that actually pushed the buttons to fire the nuclear warheads. Yep. Because they're you know way underground, and they wanted to psychically kill them before they could push the button, and therefore nobody could launch the nuclear missiles. And he was one of those guys. And he told me that he knows for a fact that they were successful. But they couldn't control it. You know, they couldn't do it um, every time. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't guaranteed. And, and that's the uncertainty is what that and, of course, the Cold War ending kind of like broke that up. So, I mean, you look at that movie and you laugh at a lot of that stuff, but it's like there's more true in that movie than – then you, you know, then you want to believe because I mean I met one of those guys who told me that a long time ago. So I mean, there are ways to test levels, and it's more than the cards. You know, you get the oh, yeah. cards with the star and the moon, and you know, mm-hmm. flashcards, and you know, yeah. right? I mean, there are people who are banned from casinos because they know what cards are coming up. Speaking of gambling and using intuition, guys. Um, I had an interesting experience. A lot of times in the holistic community, it's frowned upon to use your abilities to what acts of personal gain, for example. Well, I was able to, um, through my guides, find out exactly which horses were going to win in place uh, at the Kentucky Derby a couple weekends ago. I decided to try to see if I could sense it by doing it the same way I do my tarot cards, and I was able to get the winner and the horses and this is something that you can take sometimes into like a casino or if you, you know, want to win the lottery. Well, why not? Just, if it helps people <laughs> in the end. I mean, I do have that intention, but yeah. Well, well and, okay, so here, here's my – oh, sorry, go ahead, Rick. Well, yeah, I mean, you're going to uh, get paid for your healing services. What's the difference? <laughs> We're all okay. on board with that one, exactly. Well, and, but I mean, really, what's and, the I, what's the difference? You're taking that's money a, from people, or you're taking money from the company. That's yeah, a society exactly. thing I mean, that there's a difference between them. That's like you know that whole difference between my private life, my work life, and my spiritual life. It's all the same right. thing. And if you can use those skills and talents to have a windfall yep. land in your lap, then you don't have to charge people. Then you don't have to charge people, and you can help people for the rest of your life comfortably and do what you want to do. What the frig is wrong with that? Because ask those people who don't like that idea, ask them how much they char- charge their clients and how much they gave away. <laughs> they're, they're the yeah. ones they charge seven hundred dollars yeah. a reading for like a half exactly. hour. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, and it took me four hours to win that much in the casino. So see, I'm working hard. <laughs> 
There you go. <laughs> well, I actually, I actually do know a couple of psychics who will remain nameless, but they were able to use their gifts to win the lottery more than once. And I'm like looking at them, going, "You lucky bastards! How did you do that?" Right. <laughs> like, I'm like, I can get like one number off a card, but then that ha- that happened with the Kentucky Derby. And last year, um, I had a dream about the horse that won. Uh, maybe I forgot what it was. I don't think it was Derby. It was another one, but. I had a dream, and then in real life, I bet on that horse, and the horse choked 30 seconds before the end of the race. But I was like, wow. I was like, yeah. I was this close. <laughs> yeah, it was like a test. How how bad do you want it? It worked. <laughs> I think that's what they were doing, and they were kind of laughing at me. I'm like, why'd you guys do that? Just rip the rug out from under me. I'm like, it's not like I'm not dedicating my life to service here. Come on now. I'm not rich. <laughs> well, it's that... Uh... It's like the right. ones that get banned from the casino. It's because they're going in there mm-hmm. just over and over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. I, I used to work with a fellow when we did that control room work offshore, 12 hours of mostly boredom. And he spent the entire time playing blackjack until he got good at, you know, he used a computer simulator, and he got good at counting cards. And he said, you know, I know some of the security guys. They've spoken to me. But as long as I just come in and do a little and, and, and don't, you know, try to get rich. But, yeah, I, he lives in the suburb of Vegas. He pays all he, it's all he does for a living is play black guy. But wow. he doesn't try to get wealthy. He just tries to pay his bills. Right. And, and, and they, they leave him alone because he's not really hurting anything. In fact, it's good for the general customers to see somebody have sure. a winning day. So right. since he doesn't push it, they leave him alone and and that's kind of the way i see it is you know mm-hmm. if you're you know trying to win the lottery so you can go run away to fiji and never speak to another human being again that's probably not going to work out right no. and you know i think what what happens is that you know and this is something i've been studying and and working on is that we all you know have our, our, our what's called a conscience you know or it, it can actually be your own nemesis that can work against you if you try to do something against your moral fiber it'll find a way you know to thwart your efforts or if you manage to shove it through anyway you know you'll pay oh, but yeah. it's you you know it it's not necessarily punishment coming down from god though i'm sure that could happen in extreme cases i think we do it to ourselves you know if we don't feel right about it if we don't feel right about it you know we shouldn't do it no i so, absolutely believe we do know. it to ourselves it's, yeah, uh, and once our vibration changes to that off vibration, that's what we're bringing back to us. Yeah, and exactly. Let's face it, if we're expecting punishment, that's what we're mm. going to get. Yep. So I mean, exactly. if we want to talk, it's it, honestly it's semantics that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's that we called? We all know the uh, Belief structures. No, what's that called? Uh, you know, the power of attraction or something. The law of attraction. The law of attraction. The secret. Right. Right. The secret. If it works one way, it, it's got to work the other. You know, it's yep. duality. You know, it'll be just as negative as it is positive. You know, you you bring to never, what you believe. I've never figured out how the frig people can't grasp that concept. It's like, how can you not grasp the very same? The thing that bothers me the most Symmetry. about this whole topic is listening to somebody tell me how they've studied the secret, they've studied the law of attraction, they really, really believe in all of that and that they can manifest their reality and then they'll point to that person over there and say, but that person over there needs to wake up. Listen, the truth of it is, if you believe people are asleep, 
they're asleep. Why? Because right. you are creating your reality. You guys need to exactly. figure that out on your own. That you know, I mean, and come on, it it, only, it doesn't only work one way. Mm-hmm. Well, you know okay. that's that's uh, the law of mathematics. That the what they call the the proof in mathematics is to reverse the equation. You know, if it's true one way, then it's got to be true the other, or it's not true. You know, so that's how you prove things mathematically. You just reverse the equation, you know, and say, there you go. It's both ways. It's like, well, that's the law of the universe, man. The thing that I you found know? funny. And really. Sorry. No, go on. Go on, Carrie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, when I had read The Secret several years ago, everybody in my office was into it. Everybody around me was like, you got to read it. you got to read it. you got to watch the movie. And so I read it. And I heard all the messages loud and clear. And at this time, I was going through a very negative, negative time in my life, just emotional rock bottom, pure exhaustion, everything. And so I managed, because of my abilities, to manifest quite a few very, very big, important, positive things for myself. And so I'm sitting there going like, well, I have the most negative mind anyone has right now. It's just like circling around all these things. But yet I was able to manifest all of these wonderful things. And then so I said, well, screw this. And I actually gave my copy to one of my clients. I was like, I was like, I don't understand. I was like, I broke the law of attraction or something. <laughs> it still works at the time. <laughs> well, um, I was kind of going to say something along the lines of that, Kay, is that we, we, kind of, we needed all these people to really, really study it and to buy the books and to buy the DVDs to get the law of attraction awareness out there mm-hmm. and then people to experience it and realize it's working, it's not working and, and go through the little details of it and polish it exactly. And then we have yeah. people like Nikki, for example, who get it. And who are like, what the hell's wrong with you guys? And we need people, <laughs> but we need people like her to shift that vibration and say, there's more. There's more to just there's, what you're seeing on the big screen. There's way more. But and we have know to what? get to them somehow. But touching on what, what what you said, Carrie, I have to. I am married to a master manifester who uses anger <laughs> to create his manifestation. Action, baby! Oh, I've oh, never oh, seen. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> He's yep. so he's so good at it, and and the reason he's good at it is because he knows he's good at it, and he knows that when he gets angry about something, he'll get exactly what he wants. And the more it happens, the more he gets angry about something, just because he knows that it'll work. He also knows that he could shift that, but he says he has too much fun getting angry and whining about it. Again, so, children know it all. Mm-hmm. It's insane. But I didn't think that that could work because a lot of manifestation has to do with feeling and emotion. And, and, you know, I mean, that's why it goes so beyond what The Secret talked about. But it's a lot of emotion that he puts into it. In fact, it's almost 90% emotion and 10% thought for him. And so he's he's a master at it. Like, And it, it's, it's, it's crazy, but it's, it's, it's amazing. Well, let me so say, uh... you know, girl. Yeah, anger is the component sometimes. I mean, like, I never enjoyed the angry. It would be when I was extremely upset, like, I lost all my money or something, you know, happened. And that's usually when I would use it. Like, I would be so upset and fed up and desperate and sad. And I would literally, one time, okay, here's here's an example of this. Um, I was traveling to Maine a few years ago to see my boyfriend. And I was living with these roommates. And just before I had to leave, like the day before, they demanded payments for the bills for the house. They could have waited four days. They insisted on me doing it that day. I lost all the money because I was stupid. All the money 
that I had that I needed to go to Maine. Like the ticket was paid for to get there, but I had no money for food, no money for anything else. I was hysterical. I pounded on the steering wheel of my car, hysterical, and demanded the universe give me money. And I said, could you just please give me at least 20 bucks? And I walked into the store, ran into one of my clients, and she and her friend were returning something. And I guess there was money left over, and it was $20. And she just, I don't even know why, but she just gave it to me. And I looked up at the sky. I went, what the hell? And I came home, and then one of my roommates felt guilty, so they gave me money. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, and this has happened more than once, and it's literally just you're at your wit's end. You pound your hand on the table, and it doesn't feel good, but if you get a little something for help, it was like someone was listening. It was never as much yeah. as I wanted, but it was always just to tide me over, you know. But and that felt hard. good. Yeah. And it's enough to, no, get, to shift you to, to the knowing, though. But What's it's that enough song to say, shift you uh, to knowing that it works. You, you yeah, can't it's, it's, always get what you want. You can't really fall oh. down of money. <laughs> Let's all do a sing-along, guys. Kumbaya. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got but the fireflies know, uh, going on out here. We totally kumbaya this. Oh, cool. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> you know, uh, look back at Edgar Casey. You know, he was a great healer. He used his psychic abilities for healing, you know, without getting rich off of it. Yeah. And he's legendary now. That's, uh, you know, making absolutely. a difference in the community. And I, and I had... Um, one experience, but kind of special because it was my sister. Um, my sister was having problems for oh, a couple of years, and she was having pain and tingling on one side of her body, and, and she went through all kinds of tests, and they said it was Lyme disease. But she was progressively getting worse and worse and worse. And, you know, they tried the antibiotics and all that stuff, and it wasn't having any effect. And so I said, well, let me see what I can do. So that night, uh, I have... Um, um, I forget what it's called, lucid dreaming. I, I dream, but I know I'm dreaming. So in my right, dream, yeah. I, I said, time. you know, let me project myself to my sister and like scan her body. And she, I was in Maine and she was in New Jersey. And I I did that in my mind and I saw something. And then the next day I called her up and I said, you're going to think I'm nuts. I said, but you have to go to your doctor and say you want a particular kind of um, scan done on your brain because you have a cyst in the third ventricle of your brain, and that's what's causing your pain. It has nothing to do with any kind of disease or anything. You have a brain cyst, and I can tell you exactly where it is. And because it was my sister, of course, there was a lot of emotion involved in it, and I was very insistent, and she went to the doctor, and they, they... like you're crazy, you know your your brother's an idiot, can't be that you know and and finally, she insisted and said, "Look, it's my body, you know, please do this scan, so it wasn't your common everyday thing that they had to do, but they did it, and sure enough, exactly where I said she had a cyst in the third ventricle of her brain, so they took her to Will's Eye Hospital of all places because they had a laser powerful enough to drill a hole in her skull in order to to penetrate her brain and put a a drain and and drain the cyst and she recovered we had a hole in her head (laughs) but she recovered you know the pain went away and and the paralysis on one side of her body and everything 
And the doctor took credit for it afterwards and said, oh, nobody told me to do that test. I, I figured it out. I was like, okay, take credit. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. Well, yeah, he'd, he'd have been yeah. laughed out in the country club if, you know. All right. You know. If a psychic like, told them. But, you know, emotion is a very powerful tool, whether, you know, and that, I wouldn't say that was a positive emotion. I, I felt fear, you know, and and strong emotion. But it's like, but this this to me was another experience that, you know, kind of led me to my conclusions. And one of the things I, I came to, to understand was, you know what they, that saying, as above, so below, you know, that the physical world yeah. reflects the spiritual world and vice versa. And it's like, well, you know, we have a physical body and we have a spiritual body, a etheric body, whatever you want to call it. And our brain, you know, we have a subconscious mind that kind of controls our heartbeat and our respiration and our blood pressure and, you know, it kind of regulates everything. We don't think about it. It's not a conscious thing. It's a subconscious, you know, but it's part of our brain. It's actually part of our limbic system, our our medulla oblongata back there that, you know, keeps everything humming and we don't have to think about it. I said, you know, and it has an imperative, a biological imperative to survive. You know, it's kind of like our root command that says you've got to survive, you've got to breathe, and, and this filters up you know, some from our most basic instincts, we do what we need to do to survive. And it's like it drives us to eat and to sleep and to, you know, hydrate and that kind of stuff. I said, well, doesn't it make sense then that the the spiritual side has its version of that? You know, that we have a spiritual imperative that is telling us to experience certain things in life. You know, like it drives us just like we are driven to eat. We are driven to have certain kinds of experiences, certain relationships. And we we see that because there's patterns in our lives. We end up doing the same things over and over again. You know, we call it karma. I said, but really, isn't it kind of like a spiritual imperative? It's coming from, you know, from our soul, the, 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 the etheric body, but it has the same, the same thing, you know, because when you go deep enough, to the very, very, very core of both of those imperatives, really, it's all about homeostasis. It's all about balance. The real imperative for us is to achieve balance between our body and our spirit, to be at a place of peace, you know, where we're not struggling. We're not, we're, we are living, breathing, and we're also spiritually one with ourselves, even more so than the universe. And it's like, this is what we're really trying to achieve. We're trying to achieve balance be and be fully integrated with ourselves because we are the universe made manifest. And so when we become one with ourselves, we become one with the universe. Sounds corny, but that's, you know, it's like, this is what we're all doing, you know? <laughs> yep. It's like, that's it's, what it's just that health we, is all about. You know, that's what being healthy is. We make it complicated, you see. Because we believe that this spiritual body is is external, that this right. God source right. energy is external, that it's separate, that it's right. divided from, that in order to achieve these these different stages of 
so-called consciousness or enlightenment that there are certain things that we have to accomplish or that we have to go through or that we have to experience. And the the truth of it is, is that at the end of the day, it's not about the accomplishment. It's not about the end freaking goal. It's about the fact that we're here having the experience. That's the end goal. The right. end goal is the experience. Right. It's, it's to be. Experience. It's simply yes. to be. You know, and when connect this up to the placebo effect that says, okay, some people spontaneously heal, spontaneously cancer goes away. You know, it's like, well, why does that happen with some people and it doesn't happen with everybody? Well, it all depends on their spiritual programming, their spiritual experience. If you are meant to experience, you know, that kind of healing, then you will. If you don't believe that you are going to be healed, you won't be healed no matter what they do. Right. By the same, I was going to say, by the same token, there are people that are given, you know, surefire always works treatment. Like, this, exactly. we don't even have to think about it. This is a, a no-brainer. And right. they die anyway. And yep. the doctors exactly. scratch their heads and they go, well, we did what we're supposed to do and blah, blah, blah. It, 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 there's got to be more to it then than a chemical reaction. If and the more the, enlightened doctors do will admit to you, you know, that you have to have a will to live, for example. Yeah. Right, right. The arrogant ones, of course, they don't believe that. <laughs> but the, yeah, the more enlightened it, ones. Uh, it was me. Yeah, you know, but uh, yeah. so I think, you know, we're as I wrote in my book, you know, we are here to experience all things in all possible <laughs> ways. That's our mission in, in being alive, because collectively, all things must be experienced in all possible ways in order to achieve the perfection of the universe. So we, we are all adding to that collective effort. And so some of us experience a short life, and some of us experience a long life, and some of us experience a lot of pain, and some of us not so much pain. You know, but collectively, we are doing it all. You know, and your experience may be to have a miracle healing. But not me. You know what I mean? You're having that experience. I'm not. So it's sort of like you know we're given a a certain amount of um, material to begin with, and we can use that in many different ways. But if you're not given the ace card to begin with, you can't play it later. To go back to the the card analogy, you know, I don't have an ace in my deck, so I can't play it. You know, it's like it just ain't in the cards for me. As an astrologer, I say, hey, I look at somebody's chart and I see the blueprint for all the potentials in this person's life. They're all potentials. You have to do it. You know, you have to experience the life. But these potentials are there. So the potential says you could be a great writer. But you have to write. You know, so the potential's there, but it doesn't say you're going to be a great musician. So you could try and try and try. You're not going to be a great musician because the potential is not there. So it's a very interesting concept once you consider that to say what you really have to learn is what are your potentials and then utilize them. You can't just be anything you want because you don't have, you know, the really you don't have the unlimited potential. Everybody is limited to I know they say that, but I'm sorry that's not what the conclusion I came to you know, after it's doing thousands of energy. charts and it's like, no, you are given certain gifts and certain experiences and it's up to you to do them. 
you know, if somebody else is going to do the rock star thing, your your job is to do something else. But we all have our talents. You know, we're all a genius. But we also have a knowing, Robert, is the thing that I think we have to, like, expand on here. First of all, if my my belief is that those um, those what you would call, I guess, what some people call limitations, um, directions, uh, pre, predestined, um, yeah, faith. That's given to you from yourself before you get here. First of all, so we have to clarify that. I mean, these oh, things yes, are given I, to you by yes. you. So yes, you decided already to do this. And the other thing is, is that you know you are given along that path. You're given a a a, a an infinite amount of choice in this. And you're given a choice between whether or not you want to follow these pre-programmed passions. And that's the key. I mean, if you want to be a famous rock star, if you know, if you have an internal knowing that that's the only thing in the world that's going to make you happy, the chances are 150% that you will succeed. But you have to you have to have that knowing and and that's where it comes into you have to connect with the self within so that you can understand what your predestined pre chosen path is. So you have to take that experience and explore it and learn who you are, who you chose for yourself to be when you came here this time. Who said um, fate is really a choice as you've already made? Yes. Exactly. You know, that's that's right. exactly it. Well, and and that same guitarist, rock guitarist, might show in some testing or something that he has the manual dexterity to be a surgeon, but mm, right. music turns him on, and mm-hmm. surgery and health and it just doesn't do it for him. Well, right. How you manifest that talent is up to you. Right. You know, you have manual dexterity. That's a a talent that you've given yourself. But well, yeah, actually, bringing, how you... bringing that surgery thing in, I uh, I went through a rebellious stage when I was a teenager and got a bunch of piercings. But my piercer, he was going to university to become a doctor and had spent co-op time in hospitals and realized that it just was sickening him to be in there, that his own personal hygiene habits exceeded that of the hospital. So he took oh. on piercing. He was already pierced himself and tattooed, and he realized that some of the body modifications that he were doing was actual minor surgery. He's doing surgical implants in people. He's doing scarification. That's a big deal. But it goes back to sort of what the chart says. Yes, the chart may say that you have uh, physical dexterity skills. Right, the talents for those things. And it, it may right. not say anything about how medicals you, how or, or piercing. Them. Exactly. Right. How to utilize exactly. them. Yeah. That's up to you. What makes you Well, fit? and it has yeah. to come together with, the you right. know, sort of the rest of the picture. Again, we get back to the holistic picture. Is you got the manual dexterity, but then you also have this passion for music. Right. For, you hum you know, all the time. Right. If they say, you know, anybody can be president. Well, realistically, that's not true. Only millionaires can become president in in our country, you know. Uh, so, I mean, we say limitations are bad, but I say limitations are part of the system that we've already – We it's we are part that of the we system. We need them. Right, we, we need, need them to them. know where we're going to go past. Right. But to say you know? that we, we, we're not limitless, 
I, I think, yes, I get where you're coming from in yeah, that sense that we do have limitations, right, but the we, there's no limit to our limitations. You got and it. we can always move past them. Yeah. yeah. yeah like, kind of like the thing that Bashar says is that you, uh, you come here and you've chosen your pathway. So if you see it as a hallway, you're going down that hallway. But you have all the choice in the world about how long you want to take to go down that hallway, about how you want to get there, if you want to fly, if you want to jump, if you want to walk, if you want to swim. Exactly. And, Is yeah. there water in your hallway? Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and it's so easy, as above, so below, to to correlate the reflections in someone's li- life to their chart and to say well, you know, that, well, look at all these things that reflect. Do you it. Say, Use that. Play up on your things. You could say that we have infinite... Uh, choice, but not infinite choices. Mm. You know, because yeah. I can't live. I can't live the life of a black jazz musician in New Orleans because I'm not black. You know, yeah, that's not a bad thing to say. You know what I mean? It's just that. That's yeah, not totally it's totally not that as a spiritual, energetic being that you couldn't have made those choices. But some right. of those I choices have, we've already made for right. some I could given been, lifetime. I could have mm-hmm. chose to be born into that life, in which case my chart would reflect that, and my life would reflect those possibilities. You know, collectively, we have, like I said, all all things must be experienced in all possible ways. There's an infinite number of of choices to be incarnated in, but when we chose to be born, we we have chosen a certain, you know set, subset of possibilities and probabilities of which we can explore. Anywhere within that subset, you know, we can go down this path or we can go down that path. We can make this choice in our life or that choice in our life within the subset that we have already chosen to karma. In my teacher training... Sorry, Sorry, in my teacher training program, we had an analogy that was exactly like that, that we are like dogs on a leash. And it's mm. up to us to decide exactly. how far that leash is going to go. But we're exactly. always going to be on a leash. Right. And, see, and that's what I call actors our... who have taken on a role. And right. how we interpret that role, you know, is mm-hmm. up to us. But if we got hired to play the good guy or we got hired to play the bad guy or the whatever, yes. right? that's what that's we're going to play because yeah. that's our the role we picked to play. And, you know, if... if you go by my analogy of the spiritual imperatives that are coming from our spirit. Those are the things that we'll want to do. We'll be drawn to, you know, like uh, I have a client who, who came to me and said, why do I always end up in these, with these guys, you know, relationships with these kind of men? It's like, well, you're drawn to them and they're drawn to you. You know, it's a resonance thing. That's, that's the pattern that you have in your life. And until you transcend that pattern, until you get the karma, you're going to continue to repeat it. Despite everything you consciously do, you're going to be unconsciously drawn to be in that situation again. And you're just going to keep doing it until you grok it, until you get it. And it was like, that's how you change the pattern. You change the resonance. I wanted to, it, to so, say something. No, sure, sure. You know how you guys were just talking about kind of like preset, you know, choices almost that are like contained, I guess, within our astrological charts or within our spiritual path. I thought of something, and it kind of relates to the law of attraction. When I was thinking of moving last year to Florida, 
it hit me. I was like, I've moved around my whole life because my dad got transferred for business all the time, so we'd move all over. And I realized that, like, every place I went, I attracted exactly the right experiences for me to grow in those places. And whatever you put your attention on, you know, you're going to bring more of that to you. And I thought, well, okay, so I have these preset things in my chart and inside my path. And their music, their writing, their holistic work, those are the things. But yet, okay, so I had chosen to do preschool teaching for a number of years. And I became a really good preschool teacher. And all these other experiences were coming at me having to do with teaching and different experiences. And my thought here was you could change, I guess, your destiny um, if you put your attention on a completely different focus. If I decided right now to shift gears um, and go to a completely different line of work, like have an opportunity and, oh, I don't know, uh, maybe working with horses or something. Okay, that's not in nowhere in my charts, nowhere in any of my paths has it said anything about working with animals. But if I devote myself 100% to that shift, and to working with them, I will start to attract more and more experiences to help me to grow in that field of work. I just wanted to put that out there. Ah, you yeah. know, and that yeah. that actually um, brings me to something that I was actually writing not too long ago to to put in the next volume was that you know I, I was talking about limitations, but these aren't uh, hard walls. You know, like there isn't a wall to your left and a wall to your right and you cannot, whatever you do, go beyond those walls. Really? But (laughs) It's more like the more that you want to change your path, the more energy it takes. Uh You know, so a small choice doesn't take much energy at all. A bigger choice takes a lot more effort and a lot more energy until you finally get to the point where you don't have enough energy to make that sharp of a turn. You know, it's like if you're driving down a road, you know, right, you you know, you've got momentum to go down your life path. And if you want to change lanes to make a to one lane over, eh, no problem. But if you want to go 20 lanes over in a matter mm-hmm. of two seconds, you've got to really crank that wheel and you're probably going to crash. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have or a lot of little choices. Yes, right. a lot well, of little choices create that momentum and get it flowing. Exactly. And, and sometimes and so, I think it's you know, just it's just relevance. Um, yeah. It's but one of Bashar was mentioned to. earlier, and and he said that one time. It's like somebody said, "So you're saying we create our reality? So I could just turn off gravity?" Yeah. And he kind of puts his head a little well, sideways. We all got to agree. Well, yes, but <laughs> the question is whether Don't it's think. relevant to your chosen experience or your chosen exploration. Would it, it would it serve anything? And in in one, he actually had somebody put a coin on the ground and then said, "Okay, pick up the coin." And they just reached down there and picked it up and said, "Okay, did you think about it? Did you? You just did it. It was because that was the easiest way. That was the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. Is it? Was it? Would it theoretically be possible to beam the coin into your hand? Yeah, probably. Can't say the reason why. Theoretically. <laughs> anyway, um, we have gone. Uh, uh, a tad over time, oh as we suspected. Again, um, right, right. we we often do when the conversations get juicy, like like this one. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank you guys for uh, spending your evening with us, and and to all of our guests in the chat room as well, and for all of our podcast listeners who are far away from uh, computers and things. I've put some links up in the chat room as we've been going along. But how can they find more about your your work? Are you talking to? Carrie, you and Carrie, uh, take Carrie. a turn. Go, go for it, Carrie. Okay. 
Well, uh, you can find me at uh, psienergist.com, and that's P as in Peter, S as in Sam, Y as in yesterday, energist, E-N-E-R-G-I-S-T.com. There you can find out more about the work that I do and how to schedule an appointment if you'd like to find out even more. Well, of course, uh, you can find my book on Amazon, The Ultimate Key for Unifying Science and Spirituality. And they have my bio and all that kind of stuff on there. Volume one. <laughs> volume two is uh, coming out about uh, is, is the ultimate key for spiritual healing. And then uh, there's a third volume after that, that that's about enlightenment. So um, it's a continuing, ongoing project. Uh, they're good books. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. And um, we will, of course, have links up in our uh, archive that will be up uh, towards the end of this week. Um, again, big thanks to you guys for spending your evening with us. And uh, what more do we have? We have we have a uh, maybe for tomorrow, or is it not a maybe anymore? No, we, we don't have a maybe for tomorrow. Gone. We have okay. a day off tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, Whoa. I don't know what to do with myself. Might even get the show posted tomorrow. Absolutely. I might get caught up in my emails. Ha, ha, ha. Um, um, and, then on, on <laughs> and then on Thursday, we have uh, Kimberly Burnham. Kimberly Burnham, who is uh, the nerve whisperer. And she's also decided to ride a bicycle across the United States, some 3,300 miles. Uh, to raise money for a uh, sustainable agriculture program. So we're going to have lots to talk about. Absolutely. She's got just crazy stuff going on. So we're going to find out why. Because <laughs> <laughs> I love why. <laughs> why? Is, and, uh, uh, how did we'll you get there? To, uh, right? Pardon, yeah. Why? Why? How did you get there? Um, and uh, we'll have to uh, get Carrie back on the show, too, for those of you who listen tonight um, and who've listened in the past, you know, uh, Robert's story very well. Um, and today was kind of about the energetic healing aspect, but we're going to have to get Carrie back on the show and, and hear about her journey and how she got involved with this and the whole 20 years of, of you know, experience and and life that she's lived since she started doing this. So uh, keep your eyes open for that date because I know she'll say yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Definitely>. Told you. <laughs> and she didn't get to read any poetry. You guys, she's got to read poetry next. Yeah, time. we got all kinds Absolutely. of things to have her back. This is a great Absolutely. poetry. Look for her book on on Amazon. Also, um, what's what's the one that's out there now? Eternity um, of wishes. Right, eternity of wishes. I published that, and I don't remember the name. <laughs> getting late. That's right. You're the reason. Good job, Robert. Right. <laughs> right, and her second one is coming out as soon as I get the cover done. <laughs> awesome. Well, get on it. Yes. Awesome. Well, so we, like I said, we're just going to have tons to talk about. And, uh, and of course, I'm, I'm sure that we'll have you back again as well, Robert. Uh, oh, sure. Because. Oh, I have a great time. We have so much fun. This is fantastic. Oh, yes, it's great. This was a blast. All right. Well, listen. Again, I want to thank everybody for uh, joining us tonight. And a nice crowd in the uh, in the chat room. Uh, trust you enjoyed. Join us again on Thursday for Kimberly Burnham. And until then, to our mother, to each other, and especially to yourselves. Stay connected. Good night, everybody.
We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. question of your life the only question before that question how do you find the perfect ring to ask it with with the incredible selection of diamonds at jared and our price match guarantee you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love visit your local jared store today and dare to be devoted we promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer see jared.com slash price match for details